0: It was a full week, a busy week, we're glad for every volunteer, all you guys that weren't here and just prayed for us to survive it, thank you, thank you, we appreciate that. Uh, we're going to spend a little time talking about songs, you ever have a song that's just stuck in your head? You just can't get it out? Um, that's what VBS is. It's a week of songs that are stuck in your head, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, just, it just gets in there, and, and one of the songs the kid just sang today talks about this ABCs of faith. And it's a real easy song, A, eh, and then there's all these moves. I, I tried multiple times to do the moves, and I can't do the moves while singing. Um, I hope you get better than that. That's why cheerleading might be considered a sport. I don't know. I mean, it's a little debatable. But you have to do the moves and talk. Really hard to do. Our team did a great job. I'm the kind of person that I have a song that gets stuck in my head. Now, Now, when I go running around the community, I live real close to the church, when I go running around the community, I have things in my head telling me to run faster. Usually it's a military guy just, you know, chanting and telling, go run, you stink, you need to run faster, you know? The problem was this week, I had one of the VBS songs stuck in my head. So if it tortured me, I wanted to torture you. Let's show you this quick little clip of the VBS song they just sang. We'll show up to the chorus, and you can figure out uh, what it's all about. Here we go. So I don't know if you know that, but that is a perfect running pace. That is like in the zone. So I, I'll be running. I'm listening to these military guys. I go, one, two, three, four. And I'm like, I got it. And then the next thing I go, come on and make your move. What? No. <laughs> Get out of my, you know. And I don't know about you. I'm kind of late to church. I didn't, you know, I, I came to faith later on. I didn't know who God was. And, and so I got, as I went on, I don't know all these church songs. And as the week went on running, I lost the other parts of it. There wasn't, believe that he's a son, confess it. No, all I had was, a admit that you're a sinner. Sean, you really are a sinner. Why are you such a sinner? That's all I had over and over. You know, I totally lost the words. It's just like condemn myself while running. Hey, admit that i make your move. And I'm like, I'm going to make my move. I'm going to hurt myself. I don't know about you. You may not have grown up, but church can feel that way a lot of times, that all we do is we bring you in and say, admit that you're a sinner. And we have these ABCs going on that say all this kind of process. It's A, admit, and then believe and confess, but we kind of get stuck on A. Just admit it. It's you. It's all about you. If you were just somebody else, it'd be awesome. Everybody's struggling. And it seems like we should just say, hey, this is an easy process. I was talking to a guy this past week who it took them a while to get this. Somebody not connected with the church at all. I was just talking to him about his life. And he it took him like 15 years to get to the A part. <laughs> and then he spent a number of 10 years trying to figure out who Jesus was. And it's only in the past five years that he got the last part which says, I think that applies to me. It, it's not untrue. Jesus dealt with the same thing. And so... If you don't mind, we're going to read a passage of scripture from John chapter 3. If you've ever seen a football game, you've seen this verse there. But, uh, but we're going to read the whole passage. In our church, if you're not uncomfortable with it, we're going to ask you to stand with us. You'll see it up on the screen. Um, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Um, it is the fourth gospel in. And we're going to read chapter 3. I'm going to read a, a whole conversation Jesus has with somebody. And I encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, go on, go on your phone. Bible.gateway.com or bible.com. But if you could stand with us, just in honor. There are some things bigger than us. And as we read scripture, we ask those that are willing to stand as we read it. And again, you'll see it on that screen. And then we'll talk about what actually happened in this, one of these late night conversations. You know, you put the kids to bed and then you and dad talk, you know. Uh, This is one of those conversations. We'll show it up on the screen. Here we go. Uh, Verse 1. There was a man, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. No one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, "Uh, how can a man be born again when he's already old? I, I can't enter a second time into my mother's womb and be born. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, you can't enter God's kingdom. That's what's born of flesh is flesh. That's what's born of your spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I say to you you have to be born again, Jesus continued. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. That's like everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus said, aren't you a teacher in Israel, and you don't understand these things? I speak, and what I say to you, I speak what I know. I bear witness to what I've seen, but you don't receive my testimony. If I've told you of earthly things and you don't believe them, how can you believe heavenly things? No one's ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of God. And as Moses was lifted up in the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of God has to be lifted up. That whoever believes in him can have eternal life. And this is the verse you may have heard. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever did not believe in him is condemned already because he hasn't believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. Light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their works were evil. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light lest his works should be exposed. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it can be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Let's pray quickly. Father, that's a lot. It, it seems like this stuff should be easy, but we struggle with it. Help us just in a few moments to tear that apart and figure out what you were saying and what it means to us. Amen. Let me have a seat. ABC seems simple. Uh, my wife told me to share this story. We, we found out later in the day yesterday that Pastor Craig wasn't going to be here. So she shared this story when I was dating her. I forgot this. She was babysitting. There was a kid. He was playing with a fire extinguisher. And the fire extinguisher says, had on the side of it what to do A, pull this out, B, do this, and C. And he had a fire extinguisher. I am dating this girl. I want to impress her. So I'm seeing her while she's babysitting. The kid's joking around. He's going, hey, hey, hey. and she says, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. And apparently the kid just flashed me right in the face with a fire extinguisher. Oh. Just, just full on my face. And I don't remember this because obviously I thought she was hot because all I did was just go pfft, <laughs> Now the house I was raised in, that would have not been the response. I would have been picked up by the collar and but I just went, that's not good. And the kid was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because he knew he was responsible. He had been told a thousand times. In this process of this song, it says, Hey, admit that you're a sinner, which seems really easy, but it's the worst thing we do as humans. Worst things we do. I've done plenty of marital counseling. It is not that people don't know their marriage is a mess. It's just they won't admit their part in it. I've done plenty of parental counseling. Uh, Kids sometimes admit they're wrong. (laughs) Other parts of the family can never admit that maybe they have something to do with it. Admitting that it might be you is a huge question. Who is responsible? That's the core question that Nicodemus wants to get through when he's talking with Jesus. And so there's this question, who is responsible? You know, the Bible Bible walks us through that in a unique way of saying, here's the thing, all of creation, all of creation, everything that's created is waiting for the revealing of something godly. Man, I wish my my job was godly. I wish my boss was godly. I wish that person I married was more godly. I wish my children were more godly, just little saints walking around. It says in verse 23 of the same letter, like, even ourselves, even though we have it all together, we still groan on our inside saying, why is life not fair? I'm not going to give you a church answer. I'm going to give you the Christian answer, what the Bible says. The Bible says, who is responsible? Here's the answer. Me. See, people that don't have church down, but they have Jesus down, they understand that the problems in their life are probably the outpouring of the sin that's naturally there. Jesus shares the judgment. He's here's the judgment. You probably have all been judged before. Somebody doesn't know what's going on in your family and they talk about your family. Probably somebody on the outside talking about your family. They don't know the internal. And God says, here's the reality. I could give human beings light and dark. They chase the dark. Because they don't want other people to know all the messes. In fact, one of the biggest things that happens in a 12-step program is to get people to the first step. Admit you have a problem. That takes forever to get somewhere to say, I might have a problem and it might be me. It may be that while my wife, as gorgeous as she is, is sinful and has her own issues, but I as the husband, I may have my own issues that I'm bringing into the marriage and that maybe is part of the conflict. Maybe it's me as well. It may be that my neighbor is a big jerk and I wish they'd just change my neighbor, but it could be that I have parts in it too. That A is huge to get through. It took me a long while. I had believers coming up to me and openly in a gentle way sharing my struggles. They'd be like, hey man, do you think it's cool that you're dating two girls at the same time? I'd be like, yeah it is. Like, no it's not. Hey man, you think it's like cool that you're like mean and cruel? Yeah it is. No, no, it's not. It took me forever. Part of my testimony is I had a bunch of Christians that when I went to my college class, these believers, because I was so bad, They came into my room with my roommate, sat on my bed, and prayed for me. That's how much I needed prayer. (laughs) And they didn't pray, Lord, help us to judge Sean. Help us to judge him correctly. No, they shared all their faults. They shared all their struggles. And then they prayed, Lord, whatever you do, just convict Sean that maybe some of this is him. Some of this is him. That's the habit that Christians have. We have this habit that we get together, and we not only confess, but we're okay with conviction. See, there's verse to the same church in Romans. He says, listen, here's what we know. There's no distinction. Everybody sins. That's why we, don't t- we take our faith very seriously. We don't take ourselves very seriously at all. If you meet a Christian that takes themselves seriously, you, you pray for them. Because currently I'm in the position of a pastor. If God calls me away from that, I may be in the position of a janitor at a church. This is just a position I'm in. There's more accountability in this position. People can ask questions about my personal life way more than they can if you're just hanging out and being a greeter. But I don't have any power from it. I'm just as sinful as the guy who I'm serving next week in Georgia. That's a huge step, though. Very rarely in the Bible does it say God abhors something, hates it so much it's detestable. Pride is the thing that God hates. So the habit is we get together as Christians, if you're in a solid church, and we say, how you doing? And not everybody goes, I'm just great. They say, well, I messed up again. My wife and I are so effective at marital counseling. You know Why? Because we're both messed up. <laughs> so he comes to us, can you believe this happened? We're like, yep, just did that last week. Can absolutely believe that happened. You know? We're like, absolutely, let's pray about it. At least you're at A. You admit that's a problem. Well, really, it's her. Okay, then we have to go back to A. <laughs> it's the hardest step to say it might be me because you have all these things that prop yourself up, but they're just darkness. They don't show the light of saying, hey, man, you just said totally tore that person down. That's why they're treating you like junk. It might be you. So we can do, I don't, do you know what's the move for A? Is it this thing? I saw them waving their hand. Okay. A, admit that you're a sinner. You know, I don't want you to do that when you wake up, but that'd be pretty cool. If you woke up and go, A, I am such a sinner. But the problem is, we get in this pattern, like when I'm running, that's where you stop. You go, I am such a sinner. The church keeps telling me I'm a sinner. And there's no solution to that. The, the next part of that song is B. Be, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. What is that? Okay, you're showing me. Yeah, I can't do any of that. I can't. <laughs> That's why they're on that team and I'm not. <laughs> I believe it. he's the Son of God. No, Sean, you're doing it wrong. Okay. Close yeah, the, the, yeah, close enough. It, the, the church, after saying, hey, man, we're all in the same bucket. We, we, we're all, the sad testimony about the church is people share more in bars than they do in the church. That so they don't come into a church and say, I can share just as much here as anywhere else. The second thing is sometimes we, as a church, we point toward different things. We say, we have to be here at this time, and you have to dress this way, and you have to look this way, and you have to do these things. Instead of the only thing, you know what turned me around um, get me focused as they kept asking the questions, that's awesome, but who do you think Jesus is? And I gave all the pat answers. I was like a clinical test. I was like, well, he is a very nice philosopher. Seems like a nice man. And I tell them stuff they believe. I'm like, you guys are stupid because you believe this. They're like, you haven't even read the Bible. I have not read the Bible. (laughs) And so after those kids kind of got with me and said, hey, maybe the problem is you. You might want to think of a different solution. They said, who's Jesus? And Nicodemus and Jesus had that conversation. He, he shares this, of that core question. Who is Jesus? He comes up to him and says, I see stuff pouring out of your life. Who are you? See, our hope is not to go on these mission trips and be like, we are the Christians reaching the pagans, reaching the pagans. No. Our job is to be on the floor scrubbing the floors and people say, why are you doing that? And we say, Jesus, that's our only answer. Why are you cleaning the toilets, Jesus? Why are you traveling so far to do VBS in a different land when none of you have a primary skill of VBS? Like, we didn't recruit our Cayman Brac team saying, if you are great with children and love VBS, come. No, we just said, who's willing to go? And hopefully when they get there, they just point to Jesus. Nicodemus said the same thing. What is going on with you? And Jesus says, you, you can't see it. Only the Son of Man can reveal it to you. That brings us to this core value that we have, core belief as Christians is that if you spend time wrestling with who Jesus is, you will see that we do not say he's a great counselor, a good friend, a buddy, an interesting historical figure. You see craziness like this He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He's before all things. In him, all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn of all the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him reconcile himself to all things, whether on heaven or on earth by making peace through the blood of the cross that is the only testimony of the church that Jesus isn't who you think he is he was God walking on church and he doesn't just deserve my handshake he deserves kneeling took me a huge amount of time to figure that out I've covered almost every blasphemable word you could say about Jesus before I met Jesus I knew I had a problem. I didn't know what the solution was, and I had to figure out. All these Christians, they just kept handing me Jesus. Said, what about church? No, just Jesus. What about this? Just Jesus. Well, you don't dress right. Don't care. Just Jesus. Your family's a wreck. Just Jesus. And the habit that comes out of that, you'll see that in a church, is something we're going to do today, the Lord's Supper. The only habit we have is a relationship. We don't wake up in the morning and think, am I being good or bad? We think in the morning, how far have I gotten away from where Jesus is? And by the way, taking care of your children, that can happen really quickly. You had a good night's sleep, and then you wake up, and the kids go, I want breakfast. And you're like, it's right there. You're like, okay, Jesus, I got it. I'm going to get a little closer to you. Being in a marriage can happen really quickly. Dealing with the rest of your family who aren't as perfect as you, it can happen really quickly. That's the only thing the church does. is, 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 is hey, I might have a problem. Maybe I should chase Jesus. My wife and I are going to be separated for about four weeks. We do this every year where I have to go on mission trips, and she is alone. We make sure that our relationship is solid before we go and solid when I came back. Because it doesn't matter what church I work for if my marriage falls apart. And so we fix that first, a relationship between her and I. It's the same thing with Jesus. That's why you get that verse in the middle. God's relationship isn't to condemn the world. He loved you so much, he threw his best in person to you. I don't know, I don't know how you dress. I'm not a good dresser. This is mostly what you'll see me in. I put on the blue shirt. My wife had never seen me in that color blue. And like a very supportive wife, as I'm going to VBS, she laughed at me the entire way out of the house. Like, that's the color they picked for you? Wah-ha-ha. And I turned around in a very mature quest, very mature fashion. I was like, I'm giving my best to Jesus and the kids, which made her laugh more. <laughs> but when we come in, we say, we got to figure out what's the best. And that's what God did. God said, I'm not going to give you part of me. I'm going to give you all of me. You have enough people condemning you. You have your own head condemning you. You have people that aren't your families condemning you. Sometimes the church even condemns you. We don't need to do that. We want you to be convicted, not condemned. God says, You you know it. You know you're messed up. Who's Jesus? And that brings us to the last part. See, I know, wait, is this, was Jesus, oh. Confess. Confess. I saw them do this. Is that Jesus? That sign for Jesus? Confess, Jesus. (laughs) Savior. Okay, cool. Thanks. See, the kids got it. Like, wow, that pastor is slow. He doesn't get it. Um... We are gonna take a team over to Daytona Beach and serve a, a community there that serves the homeless completely. And one of the best adventures I ever have on that beach is they meet a guy named Gary, and Gary just serves the homeless. That's all he does with his entire life. And you love Gary, you get to know Gary, and you just love him to death. And then you go on the beach. It happened when we went on a road trip over there. The girls were out in the in the ocean getting stung by jellyfish and uh, having a great time. And I walk and it, you know, Gary, I see Gary, you can tell who Gary is. Gary is 6'3, somewhere around there. And if he's walking on the beach, he is gigantic. He is white as a piece of paper, and he has a big white shirt and a red cap that says, I love Jesus. And very quickly, cool teenagers have to figure out, that guy they met at the church that is awesome, do they say hello to him in public when he's dressed like that? We have some really cool guys. that was teaching them how to serve and stuff. They're out there doing cool stuff, and they see Gary come up. They run up to me. They're like, hey, man, did you see what I did? And Gary walks up. And their heart attack, they're like, do I shake his hand? I love Gary, but uh, he's dressed like a Jesus freak. What do I do? Am I going to publicly admit I'm with Jesus? That's the last question that is the ultimate change in people's lives. Who are you? Um, Again, that's the question that, that Jesus and Nicodemus talk about as they're having this conversation. He says, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you make a change inside of you. You guys know you are affected way more by things you don't see than things you do see. If you have a mom or a dad that was cruel to you and didn't love you, that affected your life radically. If you've been in a relationship where someone breaks your heart, they didn't break your heart physically, they just broke the inside of you. Cruel words can ruin your day. Somebody making fun of you can redirect your life. And Jesus says, I'm sharing this like the wind, because you can't go ahead, tell me when the next hurricane's coming and what direction the wind's coming from. Go ahead. Good luck with that. He said, you're used to this in life, that these are things you can't see, but they affect you radically. This is the one choice you would make in life that will affect you radically. And so the habit, that we, the, the, uh, the belief that we have that comes out of this is that who we are as Christians is a Christian first and then something else next. So Paul says it this way, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live that I'm a new person in this thing. I'm not, Sean died the day that I gave my life to Jesus in a handicapped stall on the seventh floor of my dorm room. By the way, I didn't know what I was supposed to do, (laughs) so I was in the handicapped stall. I thought you were supposed to be baptized, so I took water just to, I thought it was a magic trick. I turned the water on the handicapped sink, and I'm like, okay, this is it, I gotta be a Christian. I went, and I honestly, I stood there, I was like, did that do it? Like, did I fix it? My major didn't matter anymore in college. I was recruited by the college for a degree. Didn't matter anymore. Where I came from didn't matter anymore. What mattered was that I said Jesus was first. We run into this all the time. Listen, you are either a country boy who's been saved or you've been saved and you thank God that you were born in the country. Those are radically different things. You are either a Bostonian who happens to know Jesus or you're a follower of Jesus who cheers for the Red Sox. Those are radically different things. I am either the husband of summer or a guy with a job who happens to have a wife. You see how that got serious there? Confession is something that's public, and so oftentimes we'll do baptisms to, to say, this is the sign, this is it. Somebody worked through A, they worked through B, and they got to C. Here's one of them. Let's see it right now. Okay.
1: Okay. Hello, everybody. It's exciting today that we have an opportunity to follow the Lord and believers' baptize, baptism. And uh, today, Ashton's going to come, and we're going to baptize her. So, Ashton, why don't you come on into the waters? It. It's a you warm, up. Yeah, it's warm up. Ashton, um, have you asked the Lord to forgive you and come into your life? Yes. Okay, and um, anything you want to share about that? Um, I just like to thank Tyler for letting me have this opportunity and just bringing the Lord back into my life after a long period of, you know, just going away from it I guess, but thank you to him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been All right. Well, come on over here, and uh, let me just say, the church family, we're so grateful that you've given us an opportunity to to be able to do that here today. So, Ashton, in obedience to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Christ in baptism. <laughs> You're raised to walk. And you're raised to walk. <laughs> also, the Bible tells us to, that as new creations in Christ, that God inhabits our lives and guides us. And even though we plan our ways, the Lord directs our steps. And so I encourage you to let the Lord direct your steps. I bless you, girl. All right. Let's pray together, guys. Father, we just thank you again for the opportunity to to see what you're doing in our lives and in Ashton's life today. And Lord, we pray that you'll bless her and her life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going all the way in. I just want you to know.
0: See, that's what Ashton's here today, I think. Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah, okay. Awesome. She's with us every Wednesday night, so give her a big hug and, and, and bless her and be an encouraged her. her. Um, but, but that's the thing. Like, we want to figure out people that are willing to say, that's who I am. We'll do it in Creeks. We'll do it in pools that are cold. We'll do it back here. We'll do it anywhere to say, oh, my gosh, you already worked through all this hard stuff, and now you're able to say, God changed my life, and I want to be a part of that. I don't don't know where you're at. You may just be struggling with the A today. It's really hard for you to admit that maybe the struggles you have might be self-made. Or maybe you're somebody that's just been beat up by church, but you never really looked at Jesus before. Some of you are probably at the point, though, where you're like, I got enough information. I got to figure this out and be a part of it. I'd encourage you that's the biggest choice you're going to make in your life. And we'll pray with you through it. We'll walk with you through all the ups and downs, but we can't make that decision for you. Only you can. So I'm going to pray in a second, and we're going to spend some time doing something else, it's the Lord's Supper, that we as believers kind of remember that's what we do. It's so easy to forget. If you want to participate in that, if you didn't grab one of these from our ushers, I'd encourage you just to raise your hand up in the air, and we'll get somebody in the back that has those. If you didn't get one, we have a few. Okay. Okay. Let me pray, and then we'll get somebody in that. Kevin, can you go grab them with them, and we'll, we'll pray. Let me pray, and then we'll walk this through. We'll have you raise your hand after I'm done praying because they're, they're grabbing them right now. Father, there's a, it is hard to figure out stuff in life. Our, you know, raising kids seems complicated. There doesn't seem to be a guidebook that helps us with each new kid. Being married is complicated. Some of us have had great joys and others have had a great heartbreak. Even doing our jobs and living a life that has meaning but also integrity is tough. Thank you for coming alongside Nicodemus, that you met him right where he was in the middle of the night. You admitted to him that it was tough, that it's hard to figure out these things. But you revealed yourself to him. You showed him who you were. Thank you that you call us to have the same questions and the same conversation. Even today, to figure out who you are, to admit our shortcomings, and to confess that you're the answer, not us. As we spend time doing this together, guide us through it. In your name we pray. Amen. So just raise those hands in the air if you need them. They're, they're come, they'll come around and get them in your row. We'd encourage you, if you're not a Christian, please don't feel like you have to participate. In fact, we encourage you not to. Just let, just come and hang out with us and pray with us while we pray. Um, but those of you who are, we want you to kind of be settled in. There's two halves of this. One has a bread on the top and a juice on the bottom. You want that juice to be on the bottom. And peel off that little piece of bread. Here's what Jesus did. They were having a Passover meal, and it was right before he was betrayed. And he said, I want to show you how far I'm going to go. You kind of peel that piece off and find that little bit of bread in there. And there's a part of the meal where they actually break bread, and they give God thanks for giving them like, daily bread. And he says, listen, this is going to be me. This is how much I love you. that I'm going to let people that don't deserve it break me. That's what the cross is. A reminder that no matter how broken you feel, Jesus was broken way much more for you. So he took the bread and he gave thanks, and this is said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of him. And then the same way, he took the cup that was shared at this meal. And that's the other half of this. And they would share this cup together. And he kind of as a reminder of the old covenant that God had saved them. Not figuratively, like literally saved them. And Jesus said to them, here's what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow you're going to see my blood. And it's not just to be seen, it's for you. That's how much I love you. He took the cup and he gave thanks, and he said, this is the blood. It's the blood of a new covenant shed for you. So take and drink in remembrance of him. As our worship team comes back up, Paul's writing about this kind of remembrance, and he says... Every time you do this, you remind yourself of what it's all about. You remind yourself that life has brokenness. You remind yourself that you need help. And you remind yourself that God gave so much. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. We're going to close with a song. It's just Amazing Grace with a little chorus in it. I'd encourage you today... Wherever you're at, don't offer it to the church. Don't offer it to me. Offer it to Jesus. You don't have to stand while we sing. You could stand right up and sing as loud as you want. Nobody cares. But today may be the day where you either have to say, God, I got to confess this to you, or today's the day where I got to pick you. As we sing, I'll be down front if you need some prayer, come up, or even afterwards. You don't have to come down front, but if you're making that decision, or if you just need prayer, don't go home without it covered.